today at Queens of Moxie with Pamela Johnson. Oh my gosh, y'all. I am so excited to talk with her. Um, and I met her six years ago or more um, when I had this amazing serendipitous opportunity to go to Italy. Um, I, I literally got laid off um, through a merger and went to Italy in two weeks later. And the only thing I had planned was a cooking class with Pamela. And I enjoyed it so much. And she made such an impression on me that when I started my podcast, I knew that I wanted to interview her about her adventures and all the things that she's done. And so I want to give you just a little bit of background about her. And then we're going to go right into what she's doing now and 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 the life changes that she made to, to really step into her joy. Um, so she grew up in California. And um, she went to college and then went to to graduate work and um, found out that she has been exposed to all kinds of different religions and denominations and um, and and that really I think probably influenced some of her life and 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 her openness and willingness to accept and understand things on a different level and I love the fact that she says that she her her church is nature and kindness is her philosophy and oh I love I love those ideas um, so she was in California until she moved to Italy. And I just love the fact that people have this adventurous spirit and, and go and follow their dreams. And uh, she is a famous cook. She has written, I don't know how many cookbooks, we're gonna get into that. And um, having this career in, in cooking um, really is, is part of what led her uh, to Italy. And, um, she originally started her career as a, a special education teacher. And what happened was she was using cooking and, and training really workforce kind of skills to her special ed students who were 14 to 21 and just loved the food aspect. And so decided to really make it it a full-time thing, even though she loved teaching, um, going into to working in a kitchen and catering and then opening her own school and, um, and, and just really immersing herself in that. Uh, she is married to Johnny Johns, which I think is just the best name ever. They've been married since 86. And what I think is awesome is that she met him at his brother's wedding because his brother married her best friend in college. And I think, wow, you know, you want to talk about serendipity. That's just, just amazing. So, so Pamela, I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. She is in Italy. I am in Charlottesville, Virginia, and through the magic of technology, we're able to talk today. So thank you for being here. I'm happy to see you again. It's been a while. Anyway, I'm just wondering if you remember what we cooked in our cooking class. The most in, there were several things. Um, I love the fact that you had these tomatoes that you had gotten the seeds from um, not the kind of tomatoes that we have here in the US. So they were they were more robust and flavorful and oh, they were so good. And so we made a marinara with that. Um, we made pasta. We made several we, kinds of pasta. Did we roll it out by hand and make the local pasta? We I did, but we also yeah. did ravioli. Mm -hmm. um, so we did both. Um, and I think probably the most impressive thing and the thing I take with me a lot is that we made the um, zucchini blossoms. Oh, yeah, those are so good. Dip so them in good. a batter and into olive oil to cook yeah. them. Yeah. Yes, mm. yes. And you made an olive oil cake. I remember that too, or we did, I should say. Um, 
there was a lot more than that, but those were the things that, that I still remember. And I, I talk about the blossoms all the time with people. I'm like, oh, we need to make these. Um, I have to say, I haven't been adventuresome to try them. I don't know why, uh, probably because I don't have a garden. Actually, I guess that's why, but, um, and, and I have your cookbook. I'm really impressed that you remembered all that. <laughs> I, you know, well, you were impressive. And uh, the work that we we did, and I say work, it wasn't work. The the enjoyment that we shared, uh, and the community that we shared was just fabulous. And and I don't know if you remember this, but there was a family there, and they had, uh, it was a husband, wife, and two two boys. And I got to work with the boys. <laughs> oh, cute! I don't remember them, but I do remember you. But you know, one of the things that uh, that you touched on that was tomatoes. I mean, what? it's so important none of the things that we did in that class are very difficult or techniques that you couldn't do at home but the difference in the way the food tastes is because of our ingredients and there's no gmo here in europe there's, and they're trying their hardest to get in but it makes such a difference in in the flavor of the foods you don't have to add a lot of cheese and cream and all of these things and uh, especially garlic. Everything, every time I go to the States, people are just putting garlic in everything. Nothing against garlic. It's just, but that's all you taste. Yeah. Ingredients are so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I recently got a test kitchen Mediterranean cookbook and I've been making lots of recipes from it. Um, you know, I've heard over and over again, that that's the healthiest way to eat. And, um, every single recipe that I've tried is amazing. And all of them require lots of fresh herbs and seasoning. And um, you don't need the sodium and all the other things. I mean, they're, they're just wonderful the way they are. The herbs bring the flavors out rather than covering it. Exactly. And but I think the best, you know, the best suggestion maybe for cooking and getting flavor is to use organic products that haven't been GMO'd. Well, you know, I know more about your background, but our listeners here don't. So, and and if I tried to share it, I probably would 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 mess it up. So I want to talk to you about, you know, you moved from special education and, and teaching these these life skills so that these young adults could be employable and, and, and could learn something that they can actually do something with. And then you moved into working in a kitchen and then catering and then your own school. And throughout this process, if I remember correctly, you would take people on tours to different places and teach them the cooking of those different regions. Can you talk about that? Well, I'd love to talk about that. In fact, I just got back from a, from a three-week back to back each week was in a different region trip with uh, with people it, it is amazing when you think about it here in italy we have 20 regions mm -hmm. and it's only been united a little over 150 years and so these regions have really maintained their identities even the way people speak the way they look how they act the ingredients that are grown there because think about italy how from north to south it's very long mm -hmm. and you have the, the toe of the boot in Sicily that's almost to North, North Africa, right? Yeah. And then all the way up to the top where you're touching the Alps. And so different plants and things grow there. And people didn't have communication with each other up until maybe 50 years ago. We're still catching up with all wow. of the, the modernization. Um, and so 
food would, would grow up in an area based on the ingredients that they had and what people were making. And a great example is the pasta that you and I made together. It's mm -hmm. called Pici, P-I-C-I. And you really, in a traditional sense, only find it here in Southern Tuscany. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and even here, P-I-C-I, Pici, is called, 45 minutes from here in a car, is called Pinci. Because people were, I, I make up stories. I call it historical fiction. Why? I tried to find out why do they call it Pinchi and we call it Pinchi. And, and so I asked, my favorite thing is going into bars over where they call it Pinchi and talk to the old guys and see what they can tell me about it. And, and I couldn't find anything on the internet and the end of my books or anything. So I made up a story. <laughs> I love I it. it. <laughs> I call it historical fiction. And so uh, my idea was this, I said, you know, some guy from Montalcino, where they call it Pinchi, came over to have a, a few days with friends or family here in Montepulciano. Now in a car, it was 45, it's 45 minutes now, but in the old days, you know, it was a couple of days on the horse. He came over, he had the, the local pasta, he went back home and they said, what did you eat there? Well, in the meantime, it was a rainstorm and he's riding his horse. He got a cold. He got to Montalcino and he goes, we had pinchy. <laughs> Y'all can't so, see it, but she plugged her nose. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a hilarious made up story. But when I told, we have an adopted grandpa here. I don't know if you met him when you were here. He often no. would come for the classes. Uh, the shoemaker in Montepulciano. And, and I told that idea to him. He goes, you know what? I think you're right. So I'm validated. <laughs> I'm totally validated. Absolutely. Amazing because if you go, you go to Naples or you go to Sicily where I just was, you go up north to Piemonte, it, they're eating completely different things. Completely different and wonderful, wonderful, amazing. It's like 20 little countries in one. And so I still do this. Yeah, I still bring the groups around and and I and it's great fun for me and I'll never be skinny. I'm just going to oh, stay. Cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? You're eating fabulous food and 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 you're learning about the ingredients that are in the area, the recipes that are in the area, the culture that's in the area and and you're taking groups there and you're teaching them about it and you're writing cookbooks about yeah you know, yeah. for the food in those different regions. How many cookbooks do you have out now? Um, 17. Oh, just 17. That's it. I know. Sometimes I can't believe it, but you know, I'm 90 years old. You are not. <laughs> <laughs> Getting there. I hope. <laughs> we, we all hope we get there, right? No, you're not even close to that. But um, do you have a favorite? Of my cookbooks? Well, I have different favorites for different reasons. I think the, the next to the last one that uh, is called Cucina Povera uh, is about the, the local food of Tuscany and how there are lots of interviews with older people who lived through hard times and lived through the war and post-war, also pre-war, World War II I'm talking about, um, and how a lot of times they didn't have anything to eat. And so... I talked to them and I'm like, how did you manage? How did your family get through this? And the stories in some cases were just heartbreaking uh, because they were hungry or sometimes there would, you would just, they'd start to describe something that they ate. And I remember this one darling woman, 
peas. They ate peas all the time. They had fresh peas, they had dried peas, and they had peas, and they had peas. And so when she was talking about it, though, she'd light up. She would light up. She'd say, we had peas. And she <laughs> made me this egg with peas. And, you know, I mean, it was just really, really kind of amazing to see the resilience of these people, really super resilient. And um, a lot of them went on to do, do better things, like uh, one of them in particular was a teacher and she was teaching young women in the countryside how to do things like, it was part of the Marshall Plan actually, how to preserve food so it would be healthy. They would have all of the seasonal vegetables of the summer and maybe they would put them in jars and can them, but there's ways to do that, of course. And, and so she got into that kind of teaching uh, of, the, of the young women. And, you know, these things have obviously developed now into more, you know, sanitary kinds of things, but it probably saved a lot of lives too. Yeah. Sure, sure. Because they had food in the winter because mm -hmm. they knew how to preserve it. Yeah. So when you were in California, you started doing this, right? Yeah, I, uh, I started, well, it's been 30 years. I guess it was around 92. Um, and I started, I had a partner at the time, a, a business partner, who was working with a winery in Tuscany. And we, we just kind of got together and he said, why don't you help me? You can help promote it in the US, bring the people over and we'll do these tours and visit artisans and producers of the traditional products. In the beginning, it was uh, chefs and people who were, you know, chefs working in an Italian restaurant who maybe just needed to come see the original ingredient here like a balsamic vinegar or even olive oil or just some simple things like that to really go back. I mean, you, you see on menus, you see people writing about a Tuscan salsa that you dip your bread in. Well, it doesn't exist in Tuscany, you know, as <laughs> we were kind of hoping to educate people, you know, in that way. But the problem was chefs are either working all the time or if they're not working, they don't have any money to come over. So we ended up turning it into something for food lovers and home cooks and, you know, people who just wanted to expand their, their knowledge of Italian food and wine. And that's what I've continued doing. And it's really fun. So I just, I mean, I just got back from Sicily and the food, it just blows your mind. I want, when my last book was on Sicily, I wrote the book. And then I give it to Johnny Johns to read before I send it to the publisher, because he's kind of, he's not a cook, you know, and he'll read it and he'll say, well, I don't know what you mean by this. Well, he's got that Kentucky accent too. He speaks Kentuckian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so he's like, I don't get what you mean. So it helps me, you know, clarify things. Both of us, when I finished writing it and when he finished reading it, and I'm right now, as I'm talking about it, our mouths are watering. Yeah. Because food is just so big and robust and the flavors and the people are big and robust, not big in the size, but they just full of character and, and love for their food. It's amazing. So I love my job. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you're living the dream. You really <laughs> are. And you have been for 30 years, which is, yeah. wow, so exciting. So how yeah. many years did you continue to bring people over from the states 
and then we're going to get into how you settled where you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, for eight or nine years, I was commuting, you could say. <laughs> commuting to Italy. <laughs> but I also, you know, I had other things going on back in California, my cooking school and, and writing and so forth. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't sit around dreaming of coming because my my husband was working. He worked for Patagonia at the time. And and then things just changed a little bit. And we adopted our daughter. And when she 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 would travel with me the first years that she, you know, before it was time to go to school. But then I said, you know what? Um, she's going to have to stop. I'm going to have to stop going to Italy because I'm not going to leave her because I would come for, you know, six to eight weeks at a time with her. So I'm just going to stop going to Italy. Got this kind of sad face and he's just a sweet guy. You met him. He yeah. doesn't like me to be sad. He goes, why don't we move over there? I'm like, okay. That's <laughs> that was it. <laughs> we didn't sit around dreaming of it. And when people say this, you're living the dream. And I didn't dream of it, but it has been dreamy. It has been dreamy. And I'm really happy, so happy to be here for so many reasons. We have dual citizenship now too. So it's a sense of security and, you know, it's just, it's a good life here. And I've taken on a lot in, in this time I took on being an innkeeper because we have a farm with a farmhouse and apartments and rooms. And, and then I also decided to certify organic because we have 800 olive trees and we make an, a wonderful olive oil, which I've just written my, I think it was my 85th order for, cause we just harvested and I'm shipping it out now. And, um, we, and then, then this traveling thing that I do and my daughter, you know, all of that, it's taking on a lot and it hasn't been maybe till now when she's 25 and she's getting more established that I have been able to like take a deep breath and, and think about what I've done. I was kind of blushing when you introduced me, but I was like, wow, okay, I did do a few things and I'm happy. Yeah. Not all the time. You know, Mary Kay, you can't be happy all the time, but no, no. I just feel like it's it's been a good life with challenges. COVID yeah. was COVID was a challenge. Okay. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Because you have you have the inn. Um, it's a B and B, right? Or is it? Or or do people stay there for long periods? Two night minimum. Two night minimum, and sometimes people stay longer because there are apartments too where you can cook for yourself. Go in my garden and pick all the stuff and come in and cook. You helped me pick things when you were here. I did. I Those did. Zucchini flowers and sage leaves and yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. You know, I I look back on my trip to Italy and I just there are moments that make me sigh with contentment and peace and just take that deep breath and and being on your property, spending time with you, cooking with you, all of those things were just they were amazing and they, and they're part of what gives me that moment of, oh, so lovely. And, you know, I cannot wait till I come back, you know, I I look forward to that. uh, You You will, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about 
what you've been doing, which is amazing. Um, and, and I said to you, I see that this feeds you, you get nutrition from it. And I get nutrition from what I do too. And it's such a rewarding thing. I mean, it's not just about sauteing some onions. It, it's about, it's a, it's lifestyle. It's, it's caring about what you put in your body when you eat. It's, it's all of those things, but I, I don't know. Uh, I, I said, I'm taking the orders for the olive oil right now. And so a lot of people write to me and the, and they say similar things that you say, which again, I get nutrition from, they send me pictures from 12 years ago, from 15 years ago. And it's just, it's just so sweet that I try to keep them still in my life too. Facebook's been good for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just so happy that I've still, there's a little thought of me in, in your life too. That makes me so happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I use, um, I have, I have like nine, 10,000 pictures, um, because I love photography. Yeah, I know it's kind of, her eyes are bugging out y'all. Um, I, I do. <laughs> and, um, and I recently made some bookmarks, um, with the QR code to sign up for my weekly email, uh, because my email comes out every Monday morning. It's meant to be inspirational. It's got a link to the most recent episode of the podcast, as well as a beautiful image and a quote. And when I was pulling the images for this, uh, there were a lot from Italy, but there were several specifically from our time together when I was in your cooking class. And <laughs> it was it was the arrangement of fresh basil, tomatoes, eggs, like, and and you weren't arranging them intentionally in a beautiful way, but they were. They were absolutely beautiful, and. I have an image of your dog sitting in front of the geranium and the mountain in the background. And I have um, an image of our pasta that we, that we made and an image of the tool that Johnny was working with for some <laughs> art project that he was doing. I don't even know what it was, but it was with a sewing machine and it was awesome. And, and I use those images because they're beautiful. They really are. I, I don't, I don't necessarily arrange things as you said, but um, I do remember when I was young and single, and I was single for a really long time, someone said to me, don't wait for someone to bring you flowers, get your own friggin' flowers and put them in a vase. And I, and I took that to heart. Don't wait for someone to make a special meal. Make it for yourself. Pour yourself a glass of wine in a glass glass. Don't just drink it out of the bottle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I got into the habit of doing that. And then I and it's so true. I mean, I have a wonderful family and husband, but I, I have to have take care of myself a little bit too. And I think that is that is essential and not hard to do and gives me a lot of pleasure. And, and I think- Think you picked up on on that but then also i've just got these wonderful ingredients that i can grab and stick in a glass you know you, you do you do and and i love i love what you said about buy yourself flowers uh, when i first got divorced i decided that i was always going to have something beautiful in my home and i always bought myself fresh flowers and had them on my dining room table always it's easy yes 
It's easy, but we don't do it for some reason. Girls get out there and do it. That's right. That's right. Well, and you know, I, I also love the fact that you are pouring into yourself because I think as women, we tend to pour into everybody else, take care of everybody else's needs and sometimes at our own detriment. I still do that. I still yeah, I do, but I know it's just, I, I wouldn't be happy if I didn't. I think that I was, I was talking with someone the other day about the difference between being of service to others and being a sacrifice of your own self in doing so. And so I think there's that balance of you. We absolutely want to take care of others. We want to nurture, we're nurturers by nature. And, and so we tend to do that and do it a lot. And it, for me, it, like you, it brings me great joy. I also have found that because I've been a single mom for 15 years, if I don't fill up my cup, if I don't take time for myself, there's nothing left to give to my kids and to give to my work and to give to other things. And I had a tendency to focus solely on that and on serving others and then not getting, not taking the time to nurture myself. And, and unfortunately it really took getting in this accident that I was in to make me assess, you know, that treadmill that I was on, that, that constant movement always busy striving for the next thing. And now I can honestly say, I love resting in the pause, you know, that space between things. And I love being able to fill up my cup in ways that are nourishing for me. So it could be a walk in nature. It could be sitting and listening to the wind in the leaves it could be sitting in front of a fire in cozy clothes, reading a book and sipping tea. It could be any variety of things, but the things that nourish my soul are just as important as nourishing others. And I think that's, that's a, an essential part of it. I agree. And I think the thing that rings true for me and reminds me frequently is when you get on an airplane and the, they say, you're not going to be able to help anyone if you don't put your mask on first. Yep. The oxygen mask. You put that on and then you can help everyone. Yep. Yep. I, I just finished my, I'm sorry. No, I think that summarizes it for me. Absolutely. But I, like, I like your glass. I like your glass. Of well, wine. <laughs> it's got to be with wine. Absolutely. <laughs> I may not give my toddler wine, although I don't have a toddler anymore, but um, yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. I just finished my manuscript for my book. You are a queen of moxie, a roadmap to stepping in joy and living your authentic life. So excited about it. I literally just finished it last week. Um, and congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's um, now it's the next step of, of getting it published. Um, but I, I literally wrote in there that the reason the flight attendants tell you to put your mask on first is because if you go to put your child's mask on first, you will both literally die before you can do that because you'll run out of oxygen before you can do it. So you'll both perish if you don't take care of yourself first. Exactly. What a mind blowing concept. 
Yeah. Yeah. You heard the same thing I did. I did. I did. <laughs> well, and you know, you hear it and you kind of go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But when you actually read about why they say that it, it is this epiphany moment of it's important to take care of yourself too. It really is. Mm-hmm. So I want to move into, um, you were doing these tours, you, you were writing these cookbooks, your daughter got to an age where you didn't want to leave her for that long. And, and Johnny John said, okay, we'll move. So yeah. you moved to Italy. And, and what was that like coming from California across the globe? Well, it, it you know, 21 years ago, it was a lot easier than it would be now, I have to say, um, you know, because, because Italy has caught up with, and the bureaucracy has gotten thicker and denser, um, you know, it's, it's different, but um, we just, we bought a farm, and because I had already been working in the area that we live in now, I had some people, I had connections, and friends, and, and, uh, then we put our daughter in school, which was, you know, the, the real turning point for inserting ourselves into the society because, you know, you're thrown in with all the parents. And I spoke uh, enough Italian to buy a house to do a real estate deal. I, I spoke enough Italian to get health care for us and insurance and start doing the, the business. Uh, but, you know, this was uh, early 2001. And we were doing okay and then 9-11 happened and it was a screeching halt for us and and we had a mortgage to pay and all the other stuff too and so you know every single there's been a lot of bumps like this along the 21 years and that was the first one where i just said how can we how can we adjust this and make it work and so at the time, most of my clients were coming from the States because that's where I had my connections. People knew who I was to a certain extent and, and that they all stopped coming at 9-11. So, well, we'll work on getting an audience in, in Europe. And it was more about the, you know, the bed and breakfast aspect of the, the farm stay. And, and I started getting people from all over Europe, which, you know, in the end, when the Americans started coming back, it, it just it just all blended together and and made it better in in the long run tough years though and then you know there's been there's been all kinds of things that have happened from the iceland volcano blowing up and stopping all people coming from <laughs> on the airplanes or you know just crazy stuff that you can't make up and now covid of course right i'm sure covid yeah. was was devastating um it was but you know mary Kay. I couldn't have picked a better place to, to be isolated. Yeah. <laughs> and I have plenty, plenty of work to do. That's, that's the truth. What did you do during COVID? I pruned the vineyard. I, I pruned the olive trees. I, you know, just did as much as I could. My husband helped. He's, you know, he's a little older than me. So I did a lot of it and I, I couldn't hire anyone and I needed to, the one income that we were going to have was from the olives. So, um, but I loved also the fact that I was out there in the vineyard doing the, the pruning with podcasts in my ear. If I'd known, I could have had you in my ear. Well, I but, didn't heard it yet. So, 
true. But, you know, what a wonderful talk about slowing down. It really, it really brought me back to the ground. And there's some positive things to be said that, you know, the sad things, of course, are the people that we lost. Italy was hit very, very hard. And it's, it's changed, it's changed a lot here. But on the other hand, it made me kind of just say, I need to integrate things a little bit more and, you know, put that oxygen mask back on. It wasn't bad. I, you know, we ate well. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) That was cool. Yeah. (laughs) He got spoiled. He's like, when we had a really nice dinner every night. Uh, and then, you know, when business started picking up again, he's like, what you going to make for dinner? I'm like, go make your own. I'm busy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I noticed when I was in Italy six, seven years, however many years ago, um, is that it is a, a different pace of life. And I'd love for you to talk about the frenetic pace of California and the States and what it's like to live and breathe and be in that culture in, in Tuscany. And well, in Mono, I, I'm sure I'm not saying it as beautifully as you, Monopulciano. No, that's perfect. Oh. Uh, no, <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's changing here too. You know, as, as we get more technology, as we're all more connected globally and all of the inventions in, in life, you know, supposedly time-saving uh, things and all that, you know, where we, we used to say that Italians live, work, live to work. No, Italians work to live mm-hmm. and Americans live to work. So and this was very true. And I brought that ethic with me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Had to train myself that in the beginning, everything was closed on Sunday and all families would get together and we didn't, we didn't stand a chance to be invited or invite someone because it was the family together. Um, and that's why we adopted our grandpa. He was, uh, he had never married. He was elderly in his eighties. And we just bit by bit, we just got, got him in our family, which was a wonderful thing. He traveled with us. We went to London, we went to California a few times and he knew all our family over there. You know, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful. And he was my daughter's grandpa. Yeah. It was great. He just died during the COVID thing too, of old age, not really COVID, oh. but COVID didn't help. Anyway, uh, you know, this kind of slow life, he, he, he made us hold on to that because he came over every Sunday and we would have a dinner or a lunch usually. And it, you know, just everything did slow down. And, and now a day stores, since it was a lot that stores had to close in the middle of the day. So people would go home and have lunch and they had to all close on Sunday as well. So they'd go to church and uh, then the law changed and people had the option of staying open. There's still some stores that close here in the countryside. There's still, there's still some of that, but the pace has definitely picked up. But I remember distinctly when we first got here, because I brought a 40 foot container with every book I ever owned because I was afraid to be without English books and very few, very little furniture because the farmhouse was left furnished for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just a lot of 
small knickknacks and sentimental things. I needed to get mixer and blender and things like that because the current's different here. We have 220 volts, not 110. So, you know, when I was in California, I, I would I would shop all the stores, you know, I'd go to Target, I'd go to, you know, Costco, go to all those places and try to find the best blender at the best price. It's just what I, you know, I had to do it. Anyway, I get here, I need a vacuum cleaner. No, I need a, I need a blender. I go to the store and there's very few stores around us at the time. There was one blender. I bought it. I brought it home and I said, wow. I like that. I like that. Interesting. And and the only exception was, you know, for irons because you go and you would go into the store there'd be one vacuum cleaner to buy, one blender, one type of blender to buy, one kind of mixer to buy and 25 irons. What? <laughs> iron. They love to iron. What can I say? There's all these all these different irons. I don't know why. Of all the things, that's probably the one that I would be like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. But you don't have clothes dryers here. You hang things up on the line. And so you do need to iron them. Oh, and guess sense. what? Hanging stuff up on the line. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I don't have time. I've got, got to go out and hang it up on the line. After a little bit, it becomes, I get to go out and hang things on the line now. It's just, it, it's a, always, it's a different perspective, I think. For many years before we moved here, I tried to bring it back to California with me, uh, that I would stop for lunch, that I would do these kind of things, and, and I would do it for a week, and then it would disappear. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and then I, the reverse happened that I brought that work ethic here, too. But I've found, I've found a middle ground now. Nice. I found a middle ground. And I, it's just about, about expectations that we put on ourselves, don't you think? I do. Mm -hmm. And we, we think that we have to do everything and that we, maybe we can or can't do everything, but I don't know. I'm yeah. guilty as charged. Really am. Well, I mean, I, I, I personally have so much respect for you and, um, and, and long to, to be like you because the you thought know. of, of, of going and and living and doing something that brings you so much joy and so much fulfillment it is such a remarkable thing. And, you know, prior to my accident, I was just, I was just going all the time, just going, 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 going. And I wasn't happy in my job. I was no. doing it because that's what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to continue moving up the corporate ladder and I needed to provide for my, my children and myself. And, um, and, and so I, I love the fact that you just continue to follow in that path. You, you know, you were, you were, you found this love of cooking and you found this love of teaching and, and you blended them to the two of them together. And then, and then you, moved and and you made a life for yourself and your family and and continue to expand based on what was around you and what opportunities you had and and I feel like that's so remarkable um I think it is also about the opportunities that are around you but also making those opportunities too because mm -hmm. you know for me 
you know, my focus became organic, became sustainability, you know, before we were really talking about it, doing all the composting and, you know, trying to grow as many things as I could for us. And uh, I, obviously I had help because that's something you just can't do all yourself. But I think that in the long run, you have to make that space. And so I think what we have to ask ourselves, what's the first little tiny step we can take or the little space we can give ourselves? For you, it's your glass of wine. Uh, for me, it was Sundays. Sundays, uh, I try, still try to not make it a work day and to be with my friends, my family, whoever is around me at the time. And a lot of times we have guests that are here on Sunday, so I can, you know, just be a little more relaxed with them. Uh, so maybe, maybe carving out just some kind of little space like that is what we're saying, isn't it? You said it. Now I'm agreeing. Yeah. 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 So if you had to give one piece of advice to women to step into joy, to live their authentic lives, to, to reclaim their moxie, what would that be? I think you first have to identify what that is. That's not so easy because we get on this, you know, this race, mm -hmm. uh, the, the guinea pig wheel. What do you call it? Hamster wheel. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, so we, I, I think the, the first thing to do is just step off for a second, just for a minute, if you can, and say, what, what pleases me? What gives me satisfaction? I mean, it doesn't have to make you happy because happy is such a vague concept. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to say, I like growing carrots. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, even if you just have a windowsill with some carrots that you're tending, it's, it's a place, it's a starting place. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to advise somebody, but to love to love yourself first mm -hmm. trying to teach that to my daughter too she's so influenced by instagram and you know all these pictures of people who don't really look like that you know and it's like for her as a competition she thinks she needs to look like that what just step back for a second i i am so glad i grew up when i did that we didn't judge people by the way they looked. We judged them by the way they acted. I, I want to be sensitive to your time. So I, I really want to say thank you. Uh, it is, it's just such a delight to talk with you again. And I, oh my gosh, I'm just so grateful. I just appreciate you so much. I'm so pleased to be back in touch with you. And I want to get on your, your email list too. I need a QR code, baby. I'll send it to you, okay. <laughs> but thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it.